0: Here now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker
1: somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader
0: mark love them
1: i cannot accept our, our economy or basically our society moving towards an entitlement mentality
2: Yeah, pretty crazy that we're a little more than a mansion away. A little more than a mansion away from all being socialists now. Kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? Yeah, this is the ultimate case today of no news being good news. I mean, yeah, we had news. You had Biden just a little while ago. He was wheeled out almost literally over to Capitol Hill. And you have the big pomp and circumstance. Biden is... Going to Capitol Hill to convince the Democrats to come to terms on on their great reconciliation package that will be free Biden bucks and free candy and free lollipops for everybody. And it costs nothing ever. This is Joe Biden's America. So what do you want to bet? The entire point of Biden being sent to Capitol Hill today was Nancy Pelosi's idea. Just getting the stink off her. (laughs) <laughs> just, hey, Joe, everybody really wants to see you. Yeah, they would love to see Just come on down. Hey, there's a 50-50. He didn't even really know why he was going in there. Nancy's just saying, yeah, come here. Because that way she can just stick all the stink on him. As his entire administration implodes. And as Nancy Pelosi's career comes to a close as a power broker. So, yeah, the ultimate case of no news being good news today. All right. Hey there. I'm obviously not the great one, Mark Levin. I am Brian Mudd. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO, in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show, WIOD, in Miami. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. I talk about there being two sides to stories, one side of facts. You may get me at Brian Mudd Radio. On Twitter, on Parler, on Getter. I just started on Getter, so I've got like next to nothing going on there. So feel free to, you know, join me and uh, we'll get that party rolling too. I dive into to some of my takeaways here today. My, my first is about Pelosi. So Halloween came early for Nancy Pelosi. And, and I'm not sure what the creepier scenario might be. Having to try to navigate the, the street and sidewalk poo to trick-or-treat at Nancy Pelosi's house or for the better part of 20 years, having her threaten, instruct her caucus as to what they were going to do in Nancy's house on Capitol Hill. Now, I do know after yesterday and what we've seen so far today, the street poo potentially is the bigger risk. And that is because, ding-dong, the wicked witches reign in Congress is close to being dead. I mean, yeah, no matter what happens, Pelosi will be speaker next week, probably next month, what have you. That's not really the point. Here's the deal. While House Speaker Nancy Pelosi banked on this week being a, reg- a legislative royal flush, three huge pieces of legislation that would clear the House, right? The, the, Three and a half to who knows, it could be six trillion dollar, but free. George Costanza backed human fund, you know, money for people. The so called bipartisan infrastructure deal, which already passed in the Senate. And of course, the raising of the debt ceiling. Yeah, her odds of of getting all three through Congress are about as long as holding a royal flush. Now, the battle of big little bighorn came to mind. And what, what? The battle of, of little, big... It came to mind because I was thinking about 210. If you've been keeping up tabs on how close we are to all being socialists now in this, this country, you're literally about a few votes in the House away. So, and, and Joe Manchin, obviously in the Senate, and Cinema. We don't know her what her number is, but we, we know that, yeah, whatever. She's holding to something with Manchin. But anyway, the, the reason, I was taking a look around the house, you look at 210, that comes up a lot. And the only number with 210 that really sticks out in my brain was the Battle of Little Bighorn. And it, it works here, because that's what was known as Custer's Last Stand. The battle, which was expected to be this epic showdown in the Wars. it was over in under an hour. Which is exactly how long Joe Biden was... Capitol Hill today, under an hour. But anyway, the, the epic showdown, the Battle of Little Bacorn, over and under an hour, with Custer and every one of his regiments, 210 men wiped out. There were no survivors. So the number in Custer's regiment auspiciously close. How many votes House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has? For various different things, potentially including like the, the human fund, money for people, through the reconciliation process. So just as 210, not enough in 1876. It's not enough in the House of Representatives today. So Speaker Pelosi previously promised 10 key moderate House Democrats they'd get a standalone vote on the bipartisan Senate infrastructure package. Remember, no later than Monday. No later than Monday, if a reconciliation deal hadn't been struck in Congress. Then it was yesterday. Then we would, would definitely get into a vote today. And there's still some time. No sign anything like that's happening. So, today has the potential to effectively be Nancy's last stand. If she plays hardball and goes back on her word to her own caucus in Congress, sure will retain no credibility with anyone. Not the squad on her hard lefts, not the moderates on her right, or the majority of her caucus that's as wacky as she she is, right in line with her politically. So, I mean, that could mean none of the agenda happens effectively ending her relevance. We've never seen this before, not with her. Now, more important to the country than Pelosi's days as the key power broker, quickly coming to a close, is the fact that, at least as of now, We've averted becoming a socialist country. We really are that stinking close. You know, for all the people all throughout the election cycle last year, Ooh, Trump tweets, I mean, so uncouth, the bad orange man Trump. Tw- I mean, yeah, the policy was good. Yeah, before the pandemic, record low unemployment rates for everybody, record high wages, prosperity. We were energy independent. We didn't have a border crisis. I mean, yeah, but those tweets, they're just so uncouth. Just, and then the rationale among those people who had enough sense to realize that the policy of Trump was, was great for this country, but I just don't like the man. It's not presidential. The thing about those people is they left us at this point effectively a mansion and to a lesser extent a cinema away from socialism it's that close you know for everybody they're moderates joe Biden, he's such a moderate guy that guy has no moral compass he just he's the ultimate in which way is the wind blowing right and herein lies the problem my hope is because one of the things i do when i take a look at very serious moments inflection points in american history of which we're living one right now for sure i really hope that people learn things right it took jimmy carter to get ronald reagan right you want to talk about holy crap to wow there you go so i mean the the optimism here is that enough of the people went oh god yeah no he he really is shacked up yeah no, These these democrats i mean even you know, like the, the regular ones over there, I mean, the, the, they, they sound like socialists. The hope is that there's still enough of us, and I believe there is, and I believe enough people are having their eyes open, that we can go from holy crap to wow once again. The matter is just hanging on until that point, right? Now, should Pelosi stays as a key power broker, be coming to a close right now, if that really is the case, if we do avoid becoming a socialist country, it's probably safe to say that come Halloween, the scarier prospect would be navigating San Francisco street pool to trick-or-treat at her house, as opposed to being opposed to her and the people's house. That, that is the thing. Here's the thing as well. Amen, Marco. So the CDC, we're going to get into the CDC schools, what Gavin Newsom is doing out in California, where now he's going to mandate the COVID vaccine for kids to be able to go to school. We'll talk about all that. CDC, the Fousha, whole deal, third hour of the show today. But uh, Marco Rubio, kudos to, to him yesterday. He had an astute observation here. So the, the CDC has reminded us time and again during the pandemic that an unelected body of scientists in Atlanta believe that they should be able to dictate the terms of our constitutionally protected freedoms. And on Wednesday, they reminded us that they're also woke. So on Wednesday, the, the CDC, they put out updated COVID 19 vac- vaccination guidance for protection for pregnant people. Okay. Pregnant people. The emphasis is on people. Now, An observant, Marco Rubio, had this to say, if the CDC ever discovers a pregnant man, I assure you his vaccination status will not be the main thing he should be worried about. So yes, amen, Marco. Amen. You know, most of us do realize that biologically, only females can become pregnant. Now, the others, in in this case, ironically, the CDC are science deniers. Now, I know there was that story, was it Healthline, I think it was, that put out a story that said, Now look, men can get pregnant. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. You can call yourself whatever you want. You can, identify as a, you can identify as a frog. You know, if you wake up today and go, feeling kind of froggy, you can call yourself a frog. But biologically, you were born with parts. Two sides to stories, one side to facts. We'll be back with more of them. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd
3: Lovin.
4: In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks?
1: Are we going to deliver universal pre K to this country or not? Are we going to expand healthcare to our seniors and include vision and dental or not? Are we going to invest in housing so that people back home in NYCHA can
5: actually get hot water in wintertime or not?
2: Yeah, AOC, she's going to AOC. That was funny. I was just uh, checking social media and that people, you don't know what socialism is. Let AOC describe it for you. Not too complicated when you redistribute wealth and you get people on government programs that's ultimately paid for by the people who earned. The redistributive properties tend to be central at the forefront. And I'll also introduce you to my being here in South Florida, where I'm surrounded by a bunch of immigrants who have lived through socialism. And they'll be happy to tell you each and every day how what the human fund, you know, the human infrastructure, the human fund, George Costanza's Ponzi scheme. Money for people. Be happy to tell you how that represents socialism. And that's, that's the bigger point here, by the way, about that entire deal. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. The bigger point here isn't about the cost, because that's all made up anyway. The numbers are, are so much BS. Three and a half trillion. Well, even the conservative estimates say this thing shoots over $5 trillion, But the bigger point isn't even the number, because we know that any time you start government programs, do they ever operate according to the cost that they said they were going to originally? You know, you'd have to be stuck on stupid to believe the numbers anyway. They always overrun, but usually three times. But the bigger point isn't even the Weimar Republic-style money printing they want to do in this country to account for all this nonsense. It's to get as many people dependent on the government as possible. It is absolutely socialism. Now, Joe Biden's got a credibility crisis. They're talking about how he was wheeled into Capitol Hill today, according to some reports coming out. And remember, there are only Democrats in there, that it was a a nothing burger. We don't say Joe Biden going to Capitol Hill didn't just... To make everybody rethink their position on life, yeah, he, he lacks credibility generally. And when you're Joe Biden and NBC's Chuck Todd, remember he, he said recently that he has a credibility crisis? When NBC's Chuck Todd says you have a credibility crisis, there's really nothing left to be said. And that's because at that point, the, the failures are so pervasive. That even an unobjective observer can't ignore the reality on the ground. And there's literally no major issue with which Joe Biden retains credibility. Take inflation. One of the biggest issues we face, if any of this crap passes, is that one, is inflation. The number one reason, you know, there's so many people who don't understand economics, that don't understand money but say stuff. That's almost everybody in media. You know the number one reason you're paying more for stuff today? Because the dollar's worth less. The dollar in your pocket. You know this intellectually. If you have pesos, it takes more of that, those to buy stuff in places where they accept them, doesn't it? it? Takes more than dollars, right? The currency you use to buy stuff matters. Now, every single, every single commodity in the world. You can buy a barrel of oil in New York City, where they'll ban it. But you can buy it in New York City if they allowed you to. Or you could buy it in Sydney, Australia. You're paying with U.S. dollars. Everything is U.S. dollar denominated. So when the value of the dollar is watered down, when it's worth less, you pay more for stuff. Everything. The number one reason you're paying more for stuff is the dollar is worth less today than it was last year. Why? Because we're already spending all this money we don't have. That's already exacerbating the inflation, let alone... The artificial factors that go into it that are pumping things up because of all the money that's just thrown out there, like from the Federal Reserve, to where they just keep buying back all of our debt to try to make this whole thing go. All this adds to inflation. So it gets you coming and going, right? But months ago, Biden said it's temporary, right? How temporary has it been for you? You have to earn nearly 6% more money today than you did a year ago just to break even the heck is going to happen if they pass things like the human fund money for people to where we're talking about spending about four times what's already been spent that's put us in this place yeah credibility crisis that's just tip of the iceberg here we'll talk about more get to your calls as well next i'm brian mudd and for the great one mark levin
0: where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811.
5: We are very, very proud of this legislation, and I now have the honor of signing it, and when I do, it will then go to the President of the United States for his signature. Thank you.
2: talking about Pelosi's last stand to open the show. She really did sound proud and excited, right? That was yesterday. The one thing that has happened this week in Congress, the CR, the continuing resolution. You know, they didn't get the debt ceiling deal done. There still is that looming battle because in theory, we're going to hit the, the debt ceiling around October 18th. But anyway, they got the continuing resolution to avoid the partial government shutdown last night. They also threw in some money for the Afghan refugees to resettle them in your community, along with the CR, and but anyway, I mean you could tell first. I mean she is, yes, super proud, and then the audience there, you could tell they were just as enthused. Right, I, I heard that, and and all that I could I could think of was was Monty by All I could think of was, was Holy Grail, and there was much rejoicing. Eh. <laughs> And there's something about Robin and his minstrels, too, that might be appropriate for this particular type of situation as well. But anyway, I digress. Bright mud in for the great one, Mark Levin. Speaking of the great one, programming note, this Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin, Fox News Channel, 8 Eastern. Don't want to miss it. Gordon Chang and Stuart Varney. Love Stuart. Speaking of economics in the previous segment, there's somebody who knows a thing or two. So anyway, they're uh, joining Mark for this Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News Channel. Let's go to the phones. Mark in LA. Mark, go. Hi, how's it
1: going? So, <clears throat> I think the point that I want to make is while your points are all valid, they're, they're missing some of the essence. We're, ju- we're leapfrogging European socialism, we're going straight to Chinese Marxism. Or communism. And I think if we would use that language, number one, it would be huge because most Americans don't understand socialism. They're like, oh, what's the big deal? Socialism. But Marxism and communism, that's a different thing. And the second thing is, this bill, there's things in it like $600 surveillance of all of our accounts, any transaction over $600. There's an 8 cents per mile gas tax, there's a 70,000 agent expansion of the IRS. There's these are the things we need to hammer on to scare people to let them know this is the federalization of the United States this is
2: not who cares what the number is, is it, it the you're, number- mark you're, you're right on point uh, by the way I mean that yes yes and yes to to everything you were just saying and that is the point the numbers are you know pretty much meaningless anyway and, and again we know they're not going to stick to them even if they gave us numbers that in theory were going to be the the numbers for these things so you're also correct in your point about Marxism. I mean, hence, you know, Marx's book sold over a million copies. American Marxism. By the way, if you don't have your copy, I mean, you, you, you're just not a cool person. I mean, over a million copies sold, and so if you don't have yours, make sure you get American Marxism. And you know, Marx explains this eloquently. So there are a couple things. Um, you're right that we are are very much enveloped in a Marxist movement, and It's coming from many angles, right? It's not just what we're talking about legislatively in Congress right now. The one clearest example of Marxism that has been integrated in our society happened last year. It was Black Lives Matter, literally founded on Marxism. Black Lives Matter literally founded on Marxism. And here you have woke American corporations. pain. For Marxism. I mean, think about that for a moment. Companies that became what they became because of the American free enterprise system paying for Marxism. And so that's all part of the strategy. I'm going to dive into, in the third hour, a little bit, the whole vaccine thing, education, because that's really what this gets down to. And Mark has done such a great job over the years talking about. How this thing, this ship really started to sail in education, starting with the the boomer, starting with with the, what happened in the 60s and fast forward. And I've talked about it a number of times on, on this show as well as I've had an opportunity to fill in. It's come out at of us, at us from many angles. Right. So y- you had, you know, the Cloward and Piven. You had rules for radicals. You had a generation raised on that. We had a former president, Barack Obama, who learned under that. And so we've had tenants of it that have been working from a point of education, and the creation of Department of Education in 1980 was the final tier to screw us ed- in our education establishment and to hand the power to the unions, which are very much about the, the Marxist principles of which you're you're concerned. Then you take a look at how you had the, so many of the deep state actors that were placed trench by the Obama administration, which, who is Biden surrounded by today? And you take a look at movements like Black Lives Matter and how that was kind of the completion from their standpoint of being able to mainstream this thing. And you think about it, even 10 years ago, would you have mainstream, in theory, Democrats, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Remember when we used to think, holy crap, she's wacky. Now she's like almost making sense half the time because we listened to the squad. That's how far that the Neil Just 10 years. So once they were able to culturally and corporately integrate Marxism, that path is complete. Now, my point of mentioning socialism, which is hand in glove with the, the greater conversation here is one of of pragmatic interpretation of the legislation the legislation itself while it might have marxism as its intent is quite literally socialism we're talking about all these new social programs and all these huge expansion expansions of social programs it literally and and how is that in theory supposed to be paid for well it'd be paid for by raising the taxes on corporations, which, what does that mean? It means a tax increase on you because companies don't pay taxes. People pay taxes. You think inflation is bad now. Raise corporate taxes. What that, what's that going to do for you? And how's that going to do for you know, income growth and everything else? So anyway, redistribution. for And then the wealthy people, which is the biggest lie of all. You want to know how awful this lie is. You always hear about the evil rich, right? And that's what this is aiming towards. We're going to get the evil rich people with the human fund as well. The, the big line with this one is, even if you were that person that yeah, said, yeah, eat the rich, screw those rich people, screw the 1%, there aren't enough of them to even begin to scratch the surface. Forget for a moment actually taxing at a higher rate the 1%. Let's just say you went for full-on confiscation. Let's just say you took everything produced by the top 1%. You know what you get out of that? billion. If you outright confiscated at 100% everything produced by the top 1% of income earners, we get to $800 billion. There's a way in hell you can tax the top 1% enough to pay for any of this stuff. Which, of course, means higher taxes for everybody. So that's what happens. And in that sense, it very much is socialism. From a policy standpoint, but your your point about Marxism well well taken. Let's go to Paul, Youngstown, Ohio. Paul, go.
1: Yeah. Um, so Biden basically got elected on the idea, partially on the idea that somehow Trump had uh, bungled the uh, the whole thing with uh, COVID. And it's interesting that uh, I was just looking at some numbers that you know basically Trump had about. 10 months with almost no vaccine, not until the very end. And under that time period, 400,000 people died. Well, we're just about to hit three another 300,000, a total of 700,000, which means that Biden had the vaccine his entire eight months that he's been in, and he's lost another 300,000 people, and we're still counting. So does that make him even more incompetent?
2: Well, and remember when... On seventy percent was herd immunity. I mean, we just got to seventy percent vaccination rates. That was going to be the Independence Day celebration, right? And then even when we weren't quite at seventy percent by July Fourth, he went ahead and, and declared victory anyway. How that end up working out? But yeah, I mean, look, you're right. He has no credibility. It's all part of his credibility crisis. There's nothing he has said that has worked out the way that he said it would. And we are over seventy percent vaccinated then you factor in however many people have natural immunity that have had the virus and we don't have good numbers for how many people have natural immunity that haven't been vaccinated specifically there's no quite we are well beyond 70 percent of this country that's either had a COVID-19 vaccine or has had the virus period and yes to your point so yeah it's all part of what he doesn't deliver on time and again. And I'll, I'm going to get into it right here because I could spend a whole show on this. I have with my local shows. But there's, there's a whole other thing about treating every vaccine equally. They were never equal. You know, the efficacy of the vaccine's different anyway. And part of the credibility crisis, even from the point of wanting to have a conversation about them, is that we would treat something with about a third less efficacy as equitable to something that had that that improved efficacy. So, I mean, just, yes, credibility crisis everywhere. Let's go to Jim in Albany, New York. Jim, go.
0: Hey, thanks for taking my call. So here's the story. My wife and I and my daughter contracted COVID right around Christmas last year, 10 months ago. My wife works at St. Peter's Hospital in Albany for the last 34 years, Actually, 34 years in January. Two years ago, she was named Employee of the Year in her department. This week, she found out that she is going to be not terminated. They used the word termed. She was going to be turned because she has not been vaccinated with, uh, with the Pfizer, the Moderna, vaccine. And the reason my wife hasn't, it isn't because she's an anti-vaxxer. I have the vaccine. Okay, I got it. My daughter hasn't. My wife hasn't. And my wife hasn't because she's a scientist and she does her research. Now, she said to the hospital from day one, I'm going to be tested for antibodies. This is going back to last January before all this craziness happened. I'm going to go to the hospital. You know, whenever you recommend after I've recovered from COVID, I'll have the antibody test. She had it, let's say, in March. She positive. She had lots of antibodies. So I got a test. I was positive. My daughter as well. So we had the antibodies. We were feeling pretty good. Then um, as summer came on, you know, more pressure was coming on to employees. So my wife said to her supervisor, do you have any exemptions? And they're like, here you go. With St. Peter's letterhead, a medical exemption. Go to your doctor. If he signs off on this, we'll, you know, that will, we'll put that in the system for you. So she did that. Her doctor signed it because my wife brought her evidence and, you know, why she's making this decision it's based solely on science, just so you know. Long story short, this week, They came to her from HR and said, you still haven't gotten your shot. She's like, well, I turned in my medical exemption in July. We have no record of that, they said. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to make any accusations. That's what they told her. If they told her two days ago, if you are not vaccinated by a week from today, next Friday, you will be termed. Now, my wife had an antibody test done yesterday. She said to the hospital in no uncertain terms, if I do not test positive for these antibodies on Thursday, you can stick me in the arm with the vaccine yourself. Today, she got her results for the third time. She is positive for the antibodies. I looked up the definition of vaccine today. And you know, if you don't know it, just look it up folks. Okay, read what it says. It says a substance used to stimulate the production of antibodies and provide immunity against one or several diseases. Prepared from the consultive I can't pronounce that agent of a disease its products or or a synthetic agent of a disease, its products treated to act as an antigen without inducing the disease. my wife has those very antibodies that a vaccine is designed to I guess mimic I'm not well a it.
2: And actually better, of course. Natural immunity is better. And, you know, to to your point, Jim, and, and to the absurdity of your wife's situation, and I, I'm terribly sorry to hear about this situation, we uh, need, by the way, you guys want to come to, to Florida. We have medical shortages down here, too, with a lot more sanity. So just saying. I mean, if that's an option for your family, we'll be happy to have you. But so with the vaccines, to your point, if you have the three. You have the J&J. The J&J is a vector. And so what the vector does is it it takes a uh, different virus. It's not COVID-19. None of the COVID vaccines have a a, uh, COVID uh, element to them. But it uses a vector that is tricking your immune system, in theory, to develop antibodies that would help ward against COVID-19 should you be exposed. Your mRNAs, your Moderna and your Pfizer, they use a spike protein. So there's no actual virus of any sort with them. It's a spike protein that is made to trick your, your immune system into developing antibodies that would end up warding in theory against COVID-19. So yeah, you're using other elements to try to accomplish, to try to accomplish what your wife, what you, your family, well you already have. It is the height of absurdity and hypocrisy. There's no question what this is about. And it is control. Ryan Mudd in for the great one.
3: Mudd Lovin'. Pelosi has a good old-fashioned
0: Texas goat rodeo right now, and I'm not sure she's going to be able to broker the
2: deal. I, that was just a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Kudos to uh, Congressman Jody Arrington and Pelosi's Goat Rodeo. Good old-fashioned Texas Goat Rodeo. All right. <laughs> well, let's hope that's the extent of it. And the ultimate, the ultimate in no news is good news. As we're little more than a mansion away from losing this country at this point. Hanging on, hanging on, but still no news, which is, which is good out of Congress. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, talking about Biden's credibility crisis and talking about how y- you take the issues that he told us about inflation earlier this year. Oh, it, it's just temporary. It's, it's transitory. Remember the word transitory? Yeah, it's, it's only gotten worse. How temporary is it for you every time you buy anything? The border, right? So Joe Biden self created the crisis. Then when migrants spiked to record levels in March, in March. Back then, he, oh, it's just cyclical. It happens every year. Then, of course, he appointed Harris to fix the self-created crisis. Here we are, the start of October, with the worst humanitarian and migrant crisis our country has ever seen. Afghanistan, he lectured those who dare suggest the Taliban could ever take down that well-trained Afghan army. You name the issue... If you went the other way over what he said, you'd be doing pretty well. Problem is, that guy's the president. and we got to ride this thing out for over three more years. We'll do our part. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin.
0: He's here. He's here.
5: These are his proposals. These are his bold ideas. Uh, this is his uh, plan that he's outlined to not just rebuild our roads, our railways and bridges and put millions of people back to work, but also to make childcare, elder care, pre-K uh, more cost-effective to address uh, the climate crisis, and he wants to make the case directly to members.:
2: Jinzaki of the Jinzaki drinking game there are making an appearance. You imagine being that woman every day? Imagine how many times you must go. Holy crap! Seriously, Joe. <laughs> I mean, whew. that's a rough job right there. Rough job for Jin Saki of the Drinking Game. Now, okay, but Joel's Joe's bold vision is going down in flames right now, as nothing is happening on Capitol Hill, which is the best possible thing that could be happening in Capitol Hill right now, as we're watching the implosion of Nancy Pelosi's. Basically, two-decade reign over her Democrat caucus and Joe's bold vision, which I guarantee you he could outline artfully if you ask him. But anyway, uh, as that whole thing's going down in flames, and he was so inspirational when he went to Capitol Hill today that the word coming out of that meeting is his visit was a nothing burger. Big surprise. Brian Mud in for the great one, Mark Levin. I'm the host of The Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, The Brian Mud Show, WIOD in Miami. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. You may catch me at Brian Mud Radio, at Brian Mud Radio, on multiple social outlets, Twitter, Parler, Getter, which I just got started on. So let's get into Biden a bit more. What we're talking about his credibility crisis last hour. And about that credibility crisis, it's not the politics of the usual, right? See, the difference is, and and this is where you get into the people who realize that Trump's policies were good, but he was just so uncouth. Those those tweets that are just so uncouth, not presidential. Those people, so they went for Biden because they didn't think it would be that bad. Oh, he's moderate Jonah. The difference is in real time. People realize now, because there's no way you could not. I've always said, I I thought of this and I've articulated it as appropriate ever since the peddling of the Not-So-Affordable Care Act of Obamacare. Barack Obama and everybody else that was peddling that back in 2009, they were lying through their teeth about it. They were saying that you are going to be able to save money, right? You're going to save $2,500 a family a year on your health care. You like your health care and keep your health care. Like your doctor, keep your doctor. You remember all that stuff, right? But the thing was, as an analyst, I went through the legislation, which was painful. And I broke down how it would not work. And I spent a lot of time explaining how it will necessarily cost you more money for health care if this becomes law. They just went out there and they lied about everything. But what I, I mentioned around that time, as we saw what was going to happen, in a similar situation where Democrats controlled Congress, so you can lie to people about policy and they might believe you, but you can't lie to people about what is or isn't in their pocket. Joe Biden can lie to you and say that the inflation is temporary. But you know damn well every time you go to the gas station, the grocery store, the hardware store, you're paying a heck of a lot more. Can't lie to you about that. When you start talking about the issues that he has a credibility crisis with, it's not left-right typical politics. It's not politics of the Clinton era. It's politics that impacts every single one of us in meaningful ways. Meaningful ways like Carl last hour said, His wife is on the verge of being fired, being termed from her hospital, even though she has antibodies, because she's not getting the vaccine. Why did things take the sharp turn they did? Was it not Joe Biden and his threat of a vaccine mandate? Which, by the way, notice that hasn't happened yet, right? We're still waiting on OSHA. You know, Joe Biden's vax or die, you know, or vax or you're going to get fired if you work for any organization, 100 more employees or anything that's under federal purview, government purview which impacts most of the workforce in this country, about two-thirds of it, you notice how nothing's actually happened yet. That OSHA rule still hasn't happened. You know why? I guarantee you there are a lot of people at OSHA, a lot of legal staff within the administration is going, this is so non-legal. And, of course, we've got everybody and their brother waiting to sue as soon as that thing hits. But they're not doing it. Why? Well, because just the threat of it out there Has all these woke entities that suck up to the teat of Joe Biden going, yeah, get your vaccine if you don't, we're going to fire you. So what Biden's doing is just through threat, he's getting people fired, right? That's what's happening here. So his policies cause inflation that you feel every time you buy in anything. His threats, just his threats. Get people fired. We're no longer energy independent. Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the past four decades. That streak is is very much intact, right? I mean, those were the words of Obama's Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates. Certainly, ring true every single freaking day. I mean, after all, should we have really expected? that the only Obama cabinet member opposed to the raid that took out Osama bin Laden, do we really expect that person to start making better decisions when he was president? That's why it was just such a catastrophe, the news media and the lack of vetting that was done of this guy, to expose just what a moron he is. How do you think that would have played? If you had one major mainstream news media outlet that pointed out, Biden was the guy who said, don't go get bin Laden. How do you think that would've, people would have reacted to that? How many people do you think would have gone, really? That doesn't sound very good. I mean, just that's just one thing. To illustrate, this guy really is bad at decision-making. Now, I want you to think about what's happened here in practical terms for all of us. And I'm going to take a look at the security side of this now. Prior to about a month ago, When was the last time that you thought about the Taliban? I mean, 15, maybe close to 20 years ago? Prior to a month ago, when was the last time that you thought about al-Qaeda? It would have been when bin Laden was taken out over 10 years ago, right? Against Joe Biden's wishes. Prior to this week, when was the last time you really started to worry about a lot of this stuff? hitting home, and it's been growing. It's not just the week. It's been now for weeks and in certain cases for months. But people are starting to really wake up to the threat of what's happening and how it is getting real in this country. And I do actually think that the whole Haitian situation at the southern border was a big part of that eye-opening realization about some of what's taking place. But we didn't have to worry about ISIS either, right? It's been about four years since Trump finished bombing the blank out of them, right? I mean, he said he was going to bomb the blank out of them. And, uh, well, he he did, right? And notice how when the U.S. took out the Taliban, took out Al-Qaeda, a funny thing happened. Their terror attacks on Americans, they stopped. And did you notice when Trump bombed the blank out of ISIS, the terror attacks, the radicalization. Remember how we used to have issues from San Bernardino to South Florida? We would have problems of people getting radicalized, and that stopped for years. All it's taken is a few months of misguided policy, of incompetent leadership. And look what's happened. Look what's happened with Afghanistan. Eight months, you take a look at what's happened with our border. You take a look at what's happened with the cost of goods. You take a look at people that were frontline workers, that were being hailed as heroes, that are now getting fired. That's Joe Biden's America. Joe Biden left Americans trapped behind enemy lines, and they still lie to you. Every You notice that every single time. You know, this came up in the hearings with the, the Joint Chiefs this week, too. Every time they, they are asked, anybody, State Department, Defense, how many people in Afghanistan Oh, under 100? Uh, okay. It's been like under 100 for two weeks. And you've already said you've pulled more than 100 out since then. So obviously, they're just making crap up and lying about it, trying to make it sound small. They have no freaking clue. But Biden leaves Americans behind enemy lines, hangs our allies out to dry. Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy, national security issue of the past four decades. Only now he has the power to make the entire world less safe. And that's exactly what he's done. In addition to destroying our credibility around the world, in addition to getting American heroes fired in addition to making everyday life cost more. And that's just the jumping off point. I mean, really, astounding. if your goal in life was to really screw up this country, could you do a more effective job than he has? I'm not really trying to be cute about that. I mean, if you were intentionally trying to sabotage things, could you be a whole lot more effective than he's been? And all in just a matter of months. So. The thing is this, we got to hang on, but we also have to inform and we have to engage. You know, one of the things that people are most inclined to do during times of adversity, when you get frustrated, when your back's up against the wall, is to let the worst version of yourself come out. It's during these times that actually people who don't usually have their eyes open, their ears open, will listen. And for reasons like they know stuff costs more, right? They know Joe Biden lies when he says that it's just temporary. And they know if they're getting fired. And they know if they're made to feel less safe because of what they've seen with the border and what has happened in Afghanistan. People that are reasonable at their eyes and ears open. That's where it's important to meet them with information, not rage, and to begin to win over hearts and minds. I a reference that it took Jimmy Carter to get us Ronald Reagan. You want to talk about, you know, a turnaround there in a short window of time. That's what we have to work on now. I'm Brian Mudd, in for The Great One.
3: love in.
4: Have
1: seen the president in nine months. He's been president, and I think he should come to a caucus.
2: Now that's interesting for a couple reasons. Probably don't recognize that voice offhand. If you do, I mean, two points. You are super, super wonky. That is Tennessee Democrat Steve Cohen. Okay, Democrat Steve Cohen. This was before Biden did his dog and pony show, Capitol Hill today. The nothing burger, as it has been described, which clearly, as of now, that's the case. Because here we are, hours later at this point, and still crickets on Capitol Hill in terms of any movement on any of the the human fund. The George Costanza Ponzi, the human fund money for people, which, of course, the House Progressive Caucus, the House Marxists, They are demanding come to a vote before they vote on the so-called bipartisan deal that passed the Senate. So nothing's happening. Nothing. But Steve Cohen, a Democrat member of Congress, think about this for a moment. A Democrat member of Congress is saying, yeah, I think it would be good because most of us haven't even seen the guy. I mean, what? Joe Biden has been president of the United States. For about nine months, he's a Democrat member of Congress, and he's saying he nor most anybody is, they haven't seen the guy. What does that tell you? Which is one more reason, by the way, to the extent that there should be sympathy applied to somebody who's signed up for the job that Jensaki of the Jensaki drinking game has, you feel sorry for. And you know she's not getting any face time with the guy either, so. But at the same time, he and. Probably doesn't pay attention to anything she says, so got that going for her. Switch gears here for a second to something that has been a long frustration of many of us for years at this point, but has recently percolated once again, John Durham and his investigation. So John Durham is still alive. His investigation, of course. And I know that for many who have sought accountability for those responsible for the Steele dossier, the FISA court abuses, the entire Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy, and a long time ago giving up on Durham, I was in the I wanted to believe category. Now, the one thing that remains interesting is you still haven't had Merrick Garland, attorney general, just whack the guy and end his investigation. So, hey, that's something. But obviously, Durham has not given up on the case. So, it is go time. We do know that Democrat attorney Michael Sussman of the since disbanded Perkins Cooley law firm, the law firm of Hillary Clinton and the DNC, which paid for the fraudulent Steele dossier. So, he's been indicted. Now, we also found out over the past day plus. That additional subpoenas have been issued. Details are light there at this point. And you have most of your mainstream media that's trying to downplay the, To the extent they paid any attention, they're ta- trying to downplay, well, it's really not going well. It's, it's really not going well. It's not bearing the fruit that, you know, all those wackos on the right that, uh, you know, really think that uh, it's, it's a problem that you had the Clinton campaign and. The DNC pay for a fraudulent dossier and then we spend three years with Trump Russia occlusion and the man got impeached. I mean, th- those wacky people actually want to see accountability for that. I mean, it's just crazy. right? But anyway, so here's the deal. It happened to be on this show. On February 2nd of 2018, the day the newness memo broke, that I ended up putting down what I called my 30 count indictment, 30 count indictment. And there are just 30 statements of fact from the House Intelligence Investigation. What I'm going to do here, coming up, is put into place Michael Sussman's role to show you how significant this really is in the greater scheme of things. And I'm going to break that down for you coming up next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Wilde.
0: Lovin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. They have these radical left-wing nutcases who basically want to, they want it to be seven trillion, not three and a half trillion, and they think three and a half trillion is a compromise. And then you've got a handful of people uh, that haven't gone Marxist yet, uh, who aren't necessarily conservatives or anything of that nature, but they're sort of more normal in their view of what government's role in our country should be, and they're pushing back. So you got this internal fight going on. As
2: and- a Marco, pretty much nailed it. <laughs> it's a pretty good synopsis of what we've got going on, and we're a mansion away. I mean, think about that. You know, we're sitting here, and we're on the brink of full-on embracing socialism. The path towards Marxism becoming completed. This big multi. Decade, 50 plus year path that we've been working down. Very patient as the Marxists have played the long game here. And we're hanging on by a mansion and a cinema. Holy crap, right? Now, uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levine. Before the break, I referenced Sean Durham, the recent indictment of Michael Sussman. The additional information that more subpoenas have been issued light on details. We know it's related to Sussman's now defunct firm, the Perkins Cooley Law Firm. What I wanted to do was go back and give you, from the original House Intel drop, the Nunes report. I wanted to place into... That 30-count indictment that I originally presented to you the night that it broke, February 2nd, 2018, what his role is. And there are a couple reasons for that. One, a lot of these details at this point are probably sketchy at best. And additionally, to the extent that most news media reports on it, oh, Sussman's no big deal. Now, the first thing, and look, I don't know where the story ends with Durham. I still am, I guess, naive enough to believe that we are a country of laws, and in the end, the right thing will happen. Truth will be told. People will be held accountable. I don't hold my breath for it, but I still have to believe in that United States of America, I think, for my own sanity. So to that end, in any investigation, you never start at the top, right? You start at where things were facilitated. And the primary reason to indict at that level is to begin to get information, maybe get somebody to to turn and give the goods on the people that orchestrated it, right? You work from bottom to top in investigations. So I'm going to walk you back through each statement of fact, the 30-count indictment that I put together for you from February 2nd, 2018 on this show. And I'm going to place in Sussman where his role fits so you understand what this is about. Okay, so I'm not going to go through and say, this is the first claim, this is the second, third, You know, this is the, you know, the fifth statement of fact. I'm just going to go through all 30 rather quickly here and highlight where Sussman fits in. Okay, so everything I did, based on the House intel drop, was in chronological order as it was presented. And it starts here. From the Nunes memo, both the DOJ and the FBI petitioned the FISA court to begin to surveil a Trump campaign advisor we later learned was Carter Page on October 21st, 2016, just two and a half weeks before the election. The application had to be certified by the FBI's director or deputy director, the attorney general, deputy attorney general, or assistant attorney general to the NSA. The initial warrant on Carter Page was issued and renewed three times every 90 days, which took you through the rest of the campaign, through the election, the president-elect period, In the early months of the Trump presidency, FBI Director James Comey signed three of those FISA court warrants. Comey signed three. Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe signed one. Deputy Attorney Generals Sally Yates, Dana Bonetta, and Rod Rosenstein, they each signed one. Christopher Steele was an FBI source. He was initially paid, first payment, $160,000 by the DNC and the Clinton campaign to create the dossier via Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS. Okay, so this is now the place where Sussman fits in. Everywhere we have the law firm Perkins Coy, we now know that was Sussman, okay? So you have Michael Sussman being the, the go-between between the DNC and the Clinton campaign to pay Christopher Steele to get the ball rolling on the Steele dossier. It never starts without his involvement. The purpose of the dossier was to obtain derogatory information on Trump ties to Russia. The funding of the dossier by the DNC and the Clinton campaign never once disclosed to the FISA court. The DOJ and the FBI officials who signed off on it knew that the DNC and the Clinton campaign paid for it to be created. The FISA request left the sourcing of the dossier out of the warrant request despite knowing that it was Fusion GPS. The FBI authorized an additional payment. This ended up taking the total much, much higher. Okay, so you see what's coming together here. Clinton campaign, DNC, use Sussman to pay Christopher Steele Fusion GPS, you guys get together, you go out there and you create this thing. You had the FBI knowing what was taking place here. And they were signing off on these warrant requests. And they paid, they paid money to Christopher Steele after the DNC and the Clinton campaign. Then we learned on September 30th of 2016, Yahoo News, they ran a story linking Carter Page to Moscow that was used in the FISA request as corroborating evidence. We learned that Christopher Steele leaked that story to Yahoo News. The FISA request asserts that Steele was not the source of the Yahoo story. However, that was used as evidence before the FISA court. However, in a British court, Christopher Steele testified that, yeah, he was the source of that Yahoo News story. Perkins Coy. Okay, so this is Sussman. This is Sussman. Knew the funding was tied not only to Steele, of course, but also to Steele's leak. So Sussman had knowledge, firsthand knowledge. That Christopher Steele intentionally created this bogus document and he ended up leaking it to news media that then the FBI ended up using as evidence before the FISA court to get a warrant request to be able to tap Team Trump. Okay, next up, Perkins Coy. So here's Sussman again held a meeting after all of this with Steele and Fusion GPS to discuss how they would handle the leak from there. We found out what they ended up deciding. Because Mother Jones was the next place that there was a leak, and Steele was actually suspended and fired after revealing that he was an FBI source to Mother Jones on October 30th. After being fired by the FBI, he maintained contact with the Justice Department Specifically, Deputy Attorney General Bruce Orr and senior officials who were direct reports to Deputy Attorney General Generals Sally Yates and later Rod Rosenstein. In September of 2016, Christopher Steele told Deputy Attorney General Bruce Orr he was desperate that Donald Trump not be elected. Deputy Attorney General Bruce Orr's wife was employed during his time when all this was going on. By Fusion GPS to cultivate the, doc, the dossier. Brizor's wife provided the research paid for by the DNC and Clinton campaign to the FBI. Brizor's wife, it, her role was never disclosed to the FISA court. FBI Counterintelligence Assistant Director Bill Priestup cited the dossier investigation as only being in quote unquote its infancy. At the time of the initial FISA warrant request, it was granted anyway, FBI Director James Comey offered a summation of the dossier to then-President-elect Trump in January of 2017, despite any corroboration. And Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe testified in December of 2017 that the warrants never would have been issued by the FISA court if it had not been for this dossier. So here is the single most important thing. Without Michael Sussman, the initial payments from the Clinton campaign and the DNC to Christopher Steele and to Fusion GPS to create the dossier, that would not have happened. He was at the point of impact and he was part of the conspiracy right along, including the handling of the leaks. To media outlets that were used as evidence before the FISA court. Sussman was an extraordinarily critical player. The onset of the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax, the entire thing, it does not happen without his role. There are two sides of stories. There are one side of facts. Now, beyond that, look, we we learn much more in time. Again, this was from the initial drop of data by Devin Nunes in the Nunes memo. We later came to learn Brennan's role and, and how other officials, Obama officials, fit into this. But the bottom line, as it pertains to Michael Sussman, so you understand the relevance, is he was at the tip of the spear. He is a big player. And if John Durham can get to the bottom of all of this, and it's there to be had, there is the possibility for the names. The big names that a lot of people are looking at. A lot of people want. I just cited many of them. That we have out there in the open for everybody to see. Be back and get your calls next. Spry Mud in for the great one. Mud Love In. To resign would be an admission of failure. And and let's take one of the quotes directly from General Milley. Uh, I believe he said it was a uh, a logistical success, but a strategic failure. It was both a strategic and a logistical failure. This is, again, a place where they're just simply not being honest about what really happened. That is an American hero, Congressman Brian Mast. they isn't going to be anybody that served in Af- Afghanistan and survived. That sacrificed more in the battlefield. Brian lost both his legs and a finger over there. And talking about the dishonesty, of course, the Joint Chiefs and President Biden. The hearings this week where you had, among other things, the direct contradiction. Where you had the Joint Chiefs say, uh, yeah, we told Biden only like 2,500 there. No fewer than 2,500. And Biden, of course, the ABC interview, Stephanopoulos, no, no, nobody ever, uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember that. Okay, well, is, is that the dementia, Joe? Is that the excuse? Maybe in that moment, in that interview where he said, I don't remember that. I, I guess that was him leaving open the possibility. So were you lying or was it the dementia, Joe? Because your Joint Chiefs directly contradicted you this week. All right, let's go to the phones. Chris in Chester, New Jersey. Chris, go.
3: Hey, Brian, thanks a lot for that excellent synopsis of the Durham investigation. I only got a uh, recording of the show to share. Uh, but on to my point, it's just it's really odd hearing people talk about the, the crisis of credibility. I usually think about the element of surprise being part of uh, a crisis. But really, all the evidence has been out there. All the indications have been out there even before the election that we had a mentally compromised person talking on the Democratic debates about sending social workers into the home to listen to the record player for children and to turn the record player on and, you know, the lying dog-faced pony soldier. I mean, these things seem funny, but they're really not. They're kind of shocking indications of somebody either in decline or in some um, compromised mental capacity, maybe even before dementia. Um, The the laziest... in, In order of magnitude, to see half of the country... Be so exceptionally lazy, as you said, to just rely on um, this feeling that he was a moderate, right? I mean, th- this is a person that if you look, I want answers, I want explanations for what were the attributes, the positive attributes for this uh, career flunky at the end of his, you know, basically towards the end of his life. He's not peaking, uh, becoming You're the right. choice to lead the free world. I mean, really, I, I really want answers from voters, my friends and family. You know, what were the attributes of this person? I mean, I guess it, it really boils down to me. I mean, there's obviously the TDS, the Trump derangement syndrome. But that's right. I think people have come to the, have come to the conclusion that it just doesn't matter who the president is. You know, the economic indicators are, are lagging with um, presidential um, terms and and they just really don't think it matters. And and I don't know how I don't know how people are going to admit to what they've um, overlooked and I don't know how they're going to pull up in the future. I mean, that's a great question. But
2: uh, You're in you New comment. Jersey, and so I understand your your pessimism, and I appreciate it, Chris. And, and thank you for your engagement. It's it's truly appreciated, and it's needed because we need people like you to help spread the word in, and to engage those that do have minds that are open. That's what's important with this information. I'm going to give you two things that might be somewhat faith-restoring. I don't know how it's not 90%, but nevertheless, if you take a look at an average of Biden's approval numbers, he, he is well underwater, right? I mean, Biden's average approval, you throw in all, all the polls, it's 45 percent approval, 49 percent disapproval. If you get to likely voters, he's at 42 percent approval, which, by the way, he is three points behind where Trump was among likely voters at this point in his presidency. So that's one. You do have at least a majority by plurality of, of voters that are going, yeah, this guy sucks at this point. That's helpful. But the other, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a faith restoring deal here. So I'm in Florida. If you believe that Florida is the future of this country, for the first time in Florida's history, you have parity in registered voters. Democrats have led the state of Florida in voter registration ever since it began in 1972. This month, right now, there's absolute parity in voter registration. We're seeing a huge move to the right in a state that already was to the right. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin.
0: here now broadcasting from the underground command post deep
1: in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader mark
4: levin we have americans having a hell of a time getting out of afghanistan and yet if you just come illegally You basically get put on your way to communities all across the country. It's a choice that they're making. This is intentional.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to jack up the country, if you're intentionally trying to undo our sovereignty, if you are trying to work against our national interests, would you do anything different than the Biden administration is doing? That's the most remarkable aspect. And of course, that, the voice, my governor. For the governor, Ron DeSantis, Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, I'm the host of the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. You may always catch me. At Brian Mudd Radio on multiple social networks like Twitter and Parlor, and just got going on Getter. And check me out there again at Brian Mudd Radio. By the way, on iHeartRadio, I have both my shows are there every day. So, The Brian Mudd Show, there you'll see two The Brian Mudd Shows. Those, those are both me, just content from both shows. So, you can always check that stuff out too. But at the request of Mr. Call Screener, I'm going to give you some Florida Optimism. And we're going to talk about. Trump, a little bit, whether you miss him yet. So, just before the top of the hour, I was talking about how things are happening here in Florida. And I understand the enormous frustration of most other people. You do have my sympathies. I joke, but it's only to a certain extent that the one thing that keeps me sane every day is that I wake up in South Florida. I wake up in a land of sanity. It really does take the edge off the rest of our country going to hell. So, anyway, in our little bastion of sanity in Florida, something has been happening all throughout the course of this year. Now, you think of Florida, you're generally thinking of the ultimate swing state, or at least once upon a time, Right. Although, if you are really engaged, you might have noticed that Trump won Florida by double the margin last year that he did in 2016. And if you're versed in Florida politics, you might know that Republicans have controlled the entire state government going back to the 90s. No kidding. The entire state legislature and every governor of Florida. Than a Republican going back to Jeb Bush in the 90s. All right, so that's happened with Democrats holding a majority of the registered voters in our state. Florida started voter registration in 1972. If you go all the way back, in the neighborhood of 66% of all registered voters, and you can be registered. As a Democrat, a Republican, non-party affiliated, or a minor party. And you had Democrats comprising around two-thirds of all registered voters. And Republicans by around 36% of the state. Again, back in the early 70s. Slowly, over the course of time, there had been movement to the right. But still, enormous deficits. Now... More recently, over the past decade, made real strides moving to the right in Florida. And that really started to culminate around 2016. Republicans were down to only having about a 2.6% disadvantage in voter registration by the 2016 election cycle. You used to see Florida statewide races basically be 1% races either way. Well, then you saw by the 2018 election cycle, a little bit more of a move to the right. And then last year, in Florida, more elected Republicans top to bottom than at any other time in the state's history. The voter registration advantage by Democrats was down to 0.9% on Election Day 2020 in Florida. So what's happened this year? Democrats last month alone in the state of Florida lost 74,451 voters. Lost like fewer. We got a lot of people that keep moving here. Okay. The net net of everything that has happened is that during the course of this year, Republicans have gained around 74,000 more voters. Than Democrats. And in real time, Democrats retain only a 0.1% advantage over Republicans in voter registration, made up the entire gap about 36 points going back to 1972. And I say this for a couple reasons. The first pertains to the diversity of Florida. The narrative has long been that. If you have minorities, including Hispanics, Latinos, where they're going to vote for Democrats, well, bullcrap. You show them that stuff works, a lot of smart people. That's why your pollsters get Florida wrong. That's why so many people don't understand Florida. Yeah, we have a higher percentage of our state's population than immigrants ever be- before. It's rapidly growing, and yet Republicans continue to gain ground. And going back many years, and people used to give me a hard time about this, but not so much anymore. I used to say that one day Florida would save this country from itself, because I saw what was happening down here. I saw that a lot of the national narratives were wrong. I saw that the future of the country, legal immigrants, people that care, they understood what real socialism was, because they fled it. They know what communism is. Because many of them lived under it. They don't want it here. That's why they vote against it now. And as the word continues to spread, exporting what happens in Florida is key to getting back on track. But it's also central to other conversations that are liable to be taking place in your state. I keep up every single month with voter registration information because I'm just that guy. I don't know what's happening in every state everywhere. Not every state is as diligent as the state of Florida about offering up such detailed information if you want to go grab it. But there's a good chance that things are beginning to change. I'll say again, it took Jimmy Carter. It took Captain Peanut to get us Ronald Reagan. Right? Always looks darkest before the dawn. We got to hang on right now. We got to hang on through freaking Democrats holding control of Congress, and Dementia Joe as president of the United States. This is a rough period of time. Right now is like the ultimate inflection point. Still that nothing has happened in Congress is the best possible news. And so if we can hang on, there is light at the end of this tunnel. I am telling you flat out from where I sit in South Florida. I've been seeing it happen for years. It's been working out according to plan. And it absolutely, I believe, is happening in other parts of the country right now as well. It just doesn't feel like it because we're dealing with the realities of last year's horrible mistakes. Now, in the grand scheme of things that you might miss probably a little bit of Trump, right? You know, it's funny. I haven't heard anybody talk about how good it is not to have Trump tweets anymore. Have you? Remember those people? You know, in the early go, oh, it's so great. No more Trump tweets. I mean, independent of the fact that, you know, Trump's been censored by social media. But in the context of missing Trump, There is something that I thought about from his CPAC address. His words in February when he first came back to the scene and he said, do you miss me yet? And while Joe Biden enjoyed his customary honeymoon phase that new presidents often do entering office, that has long since changed. And so, too, the answer to Trump's February question by many Americans. Because while Trump's own approval ratings were low at this stage of his presidency. Remember, going back, this was post-Charlottesville. And that was actually the low point of Trump's presidency from an approval standpoint. Well, Joe Biden, now lower. Among all polls and all samples, Biden's approval rating right now, 45% approval, 49% disapproval. I mean, yeah, it really should be much worse. But hey, again, at least a majority of people go, yeah, this isn't good. But have an opinion. That's something and that's progress. But then when you isolate likely voters, his approval rating falls to 42 percent or three points worse than where Trump was at the same stage of his presidency. So all this is to say that if you ask the average man on the street, the average person on the street, USA, they disapprove of Joe Biden. And the more informed and engaged they are politically, the even more likely they are to disapprove of him. Which, given the Afghan crisis, the border crisis, the inflation crisis, and the get vaccinated or get fired COVID-19 policy, it makes sense. So Biden's going to need a lot more than a booster shot in the arm to fix these crises, which are wrecking our country, but they are also wrecking his presidency. And not that there's ever a politically advantageous time for solid majorities of Americans to disapprove of a president's performance. But yeah, I mean, this does come at an especially inopportune time for him with this week being the most critical of the current Congress, probably of his presidency. So moderate Democrats who are already concerned about their political futures, if they were to go along with the three and a half to, who knows, maybe $7 trillion human fund, which would raise taxes and inflation, not going to be taking a look at Biden's approval numbers with an idea of hooking themselves to that anchor, unless they're interested in going down faster than the Titanic. The the most likely outcome is that, thankfully, it's his agenda. This side of maybe, and we shall see, the quasi-bipartisan infrastructure deal in the Senate that will be sinking along with Biden's ship. And here's the other part, too. I mean, when you think, when Biden gets what he wants, what happens when he gets what he wants? Every time he gets that, we have a new crisis. So there's no doubt that the less he gets, the better off we all are. No news is good news out of Washington right now. Brian Mud in for the gray one.
3: Mud Love In a statewide requirement for in-person instruction for all of our children to add to a well-established list. That currently includes 10 vaccinations and well-established rules and regulations that have been advanced by the legislature for decades to add to
2: that list the vaccination uh, for COVID-19. So that is the, uh, the hair from California. That's Gavin Newsom saying, yeah, kids, you want to go to school, you're not going to have to have a, a COVID-19 vaccine. It's going to be one of the mandatory vaccinations. For kids to attend school starting next school year. Boy, where you live matters. Where you live matters. Hey, okay, the world looks a lot different where I sit in South Fordham. Now, talk a little bit about the vaccination stuff here. You know, the, the politics of vaccinations have taken many turns throughout the course of the year. By the way, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. So, the, the most recent turn, which may very well be a case of Joe Biden having, I don't know Trump derangement syndrome, because I think he's doing like his worst version of a trump uh, uh, apprentice impersonation yet, you know, by telling Americans, even in the private sector who aren't vaccinated that they're fired, it's a wrinkle that I think went a bit farther than any of us expected. you know what what's interesting is the racial component to this, right? But not discussed, of course, in your mainstream news, media, you? Right? And here we are, this racially charged environment. And notice how little attention is being paid to the racial component because who is Joe Biden really telling you're fired to by the majority? So, this very much his vaccine mandate disproportionately impacts minorities none more so than blacks by the way so the kaiser family foundation they keep an updated demographic database of covid-19 vaccinations across 44 states the ethnicity with the highest vaccination rates asians followed by whites hispanics and blacks by the numbers 10% Fewer Hispanics and Latinos have been vaccinated than whites, with blacks vaccinated at a 20% lower rate. So, most Hispanics and Latinos and blacks also happen to be registered to the extent they're registered to a political party as Democrats. So, yes, for people who like to conveniently play the race card, here you literally have an old white man disproportionately telling blacks and Hispanics his patience has worn thin with them. He said this a lot to us, right? Patience has worn thin with those who aren't vaccinated. He said that in the speech when he announced the mandate. So if you are black or Hispanic, you are not vaccinated. Joe Biden's patience has worn thin with you. And if you don't get vaccinated soon, you're fired. You know, if there are any in- in- integrity in racial politics, this would be a huge issue. That's certainly at the feet of the news media as well. Now, here's the other piece. According to the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council, 33.4% of employees work for companies and organizations with fewer than 100 employees. This means that right at two-thirds of the private sector workforce impacted by Biden's mandate. That's excluding those in government work and those in medicine who also fall under the executive action. So by the time we've accounted for those, you have approximately three out of every four employees in the United States directly impacted by the Biden Vax mandate little patience that man has. Primod in for the great one. Mark Levin.
0: You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well, this is Mr. Liberty. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877 381 COVID-19
5: vaccines are highly effective in preventing severe disease, hospitalization, and deaths due to COVID-19. Second, high vaccination coverage in your community translates into fewer cases, less of a burden on your local healthcare system, lower disease rates in your classrooms,
2: uh, yes, Rochelle Walensky. The the Biden administration with uh, Walensky with the Fouch, they held like a update on vaccinations today. And they were extolling the virtues, everything else. Rochelle Walensky bought and paid for by the unions. You know, we're talking about uh, Gavin Newsom. He broke the news earlier today. Hey, um, going forward, if you want your kids to go to school in California... Yeah, you're you're going to have to have them vaccinated. That's going to be a new mandatory vaccine. Now, I want you to think about this one for a moment. This is going to be implemented for the upcoming school year in California. What does that tell you? I mean, it's October first, right? It's it's COVID forever, right? It's it's COVID boosters, vaccinations forever. We're already making mandatory policy in the state of California. Your kids. Next year, going to have to get vaccinated for this thing, right? And so this is all part of an unholy alliance, the CDC, the godforsaken, unelected body of scientists in Atlanta that think they can dictate to you and have been breaking the law right along. What do I mean by that? They have no right to dictate terms of anything. They have no constitutional right to dictate anything to anybody under any circumstance, none. That's why states like Florida have sued the CDC over policies like the cruise industry and keeping them out of business have won battles against the CDC on that as well. So anyway, who really, speaking of the CDC and schools, the whole school mask policy thing, there's been a development this week on that. But let's get back to the beginning. So who really, even with school mask policy, created the CDC's policy? Well, it wasn't the CDC. You might recall back in May, their policy for the upcoming school year was, yeah, mask not required. And that was based upon what? Well, there was the CDC's own study that concluded this. Required mask use among students, not statistically significant compared with schools where mask use was optional. That's why their policy for this school year didn't include a recommendation for mandatory masking until... Oh, right. The American Federation of Teachers pressured the CDC behind closed doors to do it. And then voila, the CDC ignored their own science. They caved to the leftist cause and they did what the teachers union told them to do. And then what did school districts all across the country do? Well, they said they were going to follow the CDC's guidance, of course. This was never about science or health. This was all about our school districts being controlled by the teachers unions, the same ones that have tried to never return to classrooms, sued all across the country to try never to go back to the classroom. So anyway, Fox News, they were on the ball this week and they discovered that the CDC has amended their school masking guidance now. Yeah. See, the CDC had specific conditions under which the spread would be at a certain level where they would rescind their recommendation for masking in the classroom. Until now. Yeah, see, they just took that whole part out. It's just gone. So kind of like the vaccines forever. Your school kids in California, they're not going to school next fall, fall of 2022. Unless they're vaccinated with a COVID vaccine. There's now no guidance under which the CDC recommends the end of, end of mask use in, in schools. Think about that one. And who's behind that one? Why, who do you think? And isn't that convenient? Just as we had passed that theoret- theoretical threshold for herd immunity, that 70%, just as we really started to see COVID cases decline meaningfully, isn't that one cute? He's godforsaken, bought and paid for the leftist organizations. But none annoy me more than the godforsaken Centers for Disease Control because they're freaking scientists in Atlanta. They don't have a right to do anything other than being scientists in Atlanta, studying stuff and making recommendations. All right, let's go to George in Ventura, California. George, go. George, you with us? All right, let's go to John, also in California. John, go.
1: Yes. the uh,
2: Gavin Newsom,
1: Dr. Gavin Newsom, uh, <laughs> said that all kids have to be vaccinated because it's, uh, you know, one of the reasons is it's overcrowding the hospitals. But uh, Homeland Security boss uh, just said that 20% of the illegal aliens coming over uh, or undocumented Democrats coming over um, have diseases. Well, if there's one around one point eight that have already come in in the nine one point eight million that have already come in in the last nine months, and twenty percent of that, that means three hundred and sixty thousand people are slamming our emergency um, centers. So is he gonna now mandate that the illegal aliens who were previously exempt, be vaccinated, um, because before they were exempt from everything else getting into our school. Oh, you know so how that that's works. my question to Doctor. So.
2: Yeah, they, they have more rights than you do. You didn't know that? If you come into this country illegally, you have more rights. You know, you, you're, you get fired in Biden's America if you don't have a COVID-19 vaccine as a tax-paying citizen. But you walk across that southern border, you don't have to have a vaccine. And they'll either bus you or fly you to your end destination of choice, put you on government programs. I mean, happy day. You get more rights when you illegally enter this country than you do as an American citizen. That's the way it works now. That's Biden's America. And it's sad but true. All right, let's go to Jamie in swanee georgia jamie go
5: hey brian brian great show tonight thank you so i just want to talk a little bit about these insane um vaccination mandates coming down from king biden on high who thinks he can rule by edict and, I mean, it's like if you want to traumatize people that are already been traumatized for almost two years by, you know, being scared to death, go ahead and just tell them, oh, yeah, we can do whatever we want. I mean, this is not how sane people govern. This is the antithesis of freedom and everything that our country stands for. And the poor natural immunity people, they're like, wait, you know, ours should count, ours should count. And I just feel like you don't give them that. Don't even concede that. It's what happened to the My Body, My Choice crowd. I mean, body Amen. autonomy to me is the most basic of all human rights i mean last year this is the funny thing about me is like last year it was like oh don't get covid do this be scared be that well you know we didn't we weren't we didn't really believe them so we just kind of tried to be as normal as possible and we just can't get covid no matter what we try we're just you know maybe it's because we're healthy and we're not fat and we exercise i mean i don't know i'm just saying (laughs) you know we're getting discriminated against now for being healthy it's like because we can't get sick because we're not sick. Last year was like, don't get sick. Don't get sick at any cost. And this year we're like, you know, you, you know, where's my crown? I'm like, where's my prize? Where we are the ones, you know, we didn't get sick. Um, and it's just, it's, it's madness. I was born a whole person. I was born, you know, I don't need weird stuff put into my body to be, to be healthy. That's my decision. That's my body. And I just think, I mean, you, you, know, you could about- not be
2: more right. You could not be more right. And congratulations for not getting sick and and being in good shape. All good things. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, on that particular note, I mean, how remarkable is it that you have the president of the United States dictating that something gets injected into your body? Mandate, you want to work. You must be injected with something. Yeah, I mean, look, we've long known this. Those of us who are, are informed have known this. It's just amplified because of this pandemic. But pro-choice only means the death of a baby. The only time there's any choice is when there's a baby involved. Otherwise, the left absolutely wants to control your body. And actually, on that note, Kathy just checked in from Scranton, Pennsylvania. I think it's going to be on point here. Kathy, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Um, what I wanted to say was just that. When it's an abortion, it's my body, my choice. But when it's a vaccine, it's their body. It's their choice. Now, Hypocrisy that- knows no well, bounds,
3: right? Yeah.
1: There's no bounds. Only their bounds. And when we follow what they say, that's Marxist. That's like telling somebody uh, it's, it's only your body when, when uh, we agree with you. It's not your body when we want what we want. Therefore, you follow in line, follow in step, or you're fired, you won't eat, you won't have a place to live, and we don't care.
2: May God bless you. Keep speaking truth. Appreciate it, Kathy. By the way, speaking of Marxism, don't forget, if you don't have your copy of American Marxism, I mean, you're like seriously behind the times. Already over a million copies sold of The Great Ones book, so be sure to pick up your copy of American Marxism. All right, let's go to Joe in Queens. Joe. Hey, how you doing? All good. How are you Um you know, Joe the
1: plumber, you can call me Joe the air traffic controller. The name's different, the location's different for fear of reprisal. Anyways, I'm an air traffic <laughs> Job's controller. Job's more stressful. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm an air traffic controller, and with this new EO by President Biden, or dictator Biden, is some believe, um, we've been getting briefings now that if we're not me- we're not vaccinated by a certain date, it's November 8th, and then the end date is November 22nd, there'll be progressive discipline up to uh, termination. And our union is deciding for us and that a telecon the other day that there's about five to six thousand air traffic patrols that aren't vaccinated. Probably thirty percent of them that drawing the line are likely to get vaccinated anyways. They've come out with a uh, a main mailbox where all of everybody's religious exemptions and medical exemptions will go to this mailbox that has to be forwarded by frontline managers, or operators, supervisor ATMs, for this mailbox to be decided on at third. Here and there, to go. Whoever decides someone's religious or medical exemption is uh, granted, and is, I guess, 100%. But um, anyways, you'll probably see this week or next week, there'll be a large lawsuit of air traffic controllers absent of the union that's not fighting for their collective rights, Remarkable. along with the past union, which is, which is the Professional Aviation Sa- System Safety Specialist Union. Uh, they kind of fall in line with NACA, that union, National Air Traffic Controllers Association, and they just kind of usually go lock lockstep with that union. But Joe, and this
2: have- this is interesting. Let me ask you: How close to a crisis are we? I mean, a, obviously, we can't be down many air traffic controllers be thing, before things go south quick.
1: No, we're already down. There's a cra- there's a crisis staffing stop- issue already as far as air traffic controllers go. A lot of facilities, large metroplexes. South Cal Tracon the San Diego North Cal tracon, L.A. Tower, Atlanta, New York Approach Control. These facilities work on almost mandate six-hour work or six-day work weeks. Six-day work weeks. A lot of holdover or call-ins for two hours, ten-hour days. I mean, you're talking about people that are already sleep-deprived as it is, and there's a large percentage. Like I said, they're saying about half. They think the FAA thinks of air traffic controllers that aren't vaccinated and wow. um, so they just came out with a knack, kind of complicit with the union, or sorry, complicit with the F.A. They came up in a primary program to get vaccinated just the other day. These people get vaccinated are going to give them time off awards up to 48 hours. So you get vaccinated, you get 20 hours for your first shot, 20 hours for another shot. People that had already got vaccinated are kind of complaining because, hey, I already got the shot. Now they get an eight-hour eight hour time off award for this. Is, there's already a crisis with staffing anyways as it is a lot of a lot of ten hour ten hour days, six days a week you have nine yeah. hours between shifts a lot of I, do- I
2: appreciate it I appreciate the intel uh Joe, and and that is a big deal i mean and then you take a look at you know united they already had a, a shortage and they're offing over 500 employees. I feel like we are trending towards a a crisis generally, uh, especially as we head towards the holiday season with everything that you're talking about Yeah, air traffic control. A year in, year out comes out as the most stressful job as it is. All right, real quick, let's go to uh, one of my Miami peeps, uh, GSFP. Oh, actually, uh, we'll do that on the other side. Brian Mudd in for the great one.
3: Mudd, love in.
0: not fully vaccinated are eight times more likely to test positive 41 times more likely to be hospitalized and 57 times more likely to die compared to people
2: who are vaccinated ah the fouch. the you now there's one problem with that guy man is he wrong a lot so this just in, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. College football, not a super spreader. Yeah, not not a super spreader. You know, I mean, walk back a little bit. Labor Day, right? Oh, my gosh. Labor Day. People didn't get-together it's going to be bad. And then college football. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? A Surprise. You know, you can look at the declining COVID-19 trend in recent weeks and, uh, well, quickly realize that upwards of 100,000 maskless fans in close proximity weekend after weekend not only has not contributed to a spike in cases, but it's also coincided with a significant declining trend. And what does that tell you? Well, something different than the Fouch told you On September 7th, when he warned of college football super spreader events. Now, the Fouch getting it wrong is nothing new. That just makes today Friday. But the problem remains those who still lend him credibility. And worse still, those who craft policy based on what he has to say. Starting with the President of the United States, who, of course, anointed the Fouch his top medical advisor. So, recent events... Suggests many pandemic policies, from masks to most notably Biden's current attempt at a vaccine mandate, not actually based on science, but rather control. And let me ask you had you ever heard the name Anthony Fauci before the pandemic? And while heading the NIH, how much power did he really have? Do you think the Fauci has en- enjoyed the attention, the influence, the control? Do you think the wannabe Fauci's across the country have as well? By the way, it's why we got to start in our own communities. Often it's the local elections that have the biggest impact on our daily lives. So every day, every opportunity starts at home. Turn this thing back around. By the way, this Sunday, Life, Liberty, Levin, the Fox News channel, Gordon Chang, Stuart Varney. Don't miss it, 8 o'clock Eastern. Always an honor being with you. Thanks for listening. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin.